Tonight, I'm going to preach on the subject, why do we have missions conferences? Because there is a hell. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter number 20, if you will. This is a sobering subject, but it is something that the Lord Jesus Christ talked much about. Tonight, I will not use humor or tell funny stories, but I will use a lot of Bible. I'm a believer that the Word of God does not return void. A young man was converted during some special evangelistic meetings. He was in a mining village. Wanted to do something for God. He did what you folks try to do. He got gospel tracts and began to hand them out. He was distributing them one day and he met some former companions from his old life. They decided to deride him and make fun of him and scorn him. They said, hey, can you tell me where hell is? The young man hesitated, then he said this. Yes, at the end of a Christless life. Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse number 11, if you'll follow along with me, please. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast to the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found therein the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let's pray tonight. Lord Jesus, I pray you'll help me as we talk about a somber subject, but a very real subject. I pray you give me exactly the words to use, the words to emphasize. I know that many people are praying for this message tonight. I think of an evangelist I talked to today. I think of a ministry leader in Australia who emailed me today and I asked him for prayer. I think of a widow who I know is praying for me tonight, and my wife and Pastor Lytel, and Lord, we ask for your help. And I pray that our knowledge of this subject of hell will compel us to do more for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray tonight that if there's someone here who does not know for sure they're on their way to heaven, that this will be the night they settle that and accept the free gift of eternal life. We pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was young, and my grandfather and father were still alive, at times we would drive about two hours to where my grandfather lived, and my grandfather periodically liked to take us up into the mountains near San Bernardino, California, and take us fishing. It was a place where you had to pay to catch fish. They obviously stocked the lake, but it was kind of an experience. I don't know if I did it more than two or three times, but I remember the beauty of it. The trees, the pine trees up, it was probably five or 6,000 feet up. I remember catching trout that up there, the lake trout that were up there. It was a great experience. The trees, the water, the blue skies, being there with my dad and my grandpa, that was a great experience. But I want you to stop tonight and imagine going to another lake. The closer you get to that lake, 
the darker it gets. The closer you get to that lake, the warmer it gets. You're getting closer and closer. The air almost begins to choke you with its heat and humidity. The smell smells like rotten eggs and sulfur. And finally, as you crest a hill and look down on that lake, you see a boiling cauldron of fire. But worse to the view are the screams for relief that you hear. People asking for a drop of cold water. Uh, this place will have no party goers, no rock concerts. Those who are addicted to drugs and alcohol and immoral behaviors will never have those addictions satiated. They'll be with them for all eternity. Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? The Greek word for damnation can be translated judgment. We read a moment ago about what is commonly called the great white throne judgment, and as believers, we will never stand before the great white throne. It's for only the people whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There is a day when God will make his final judgment. There will be no appealing of that verdict. No recourse. I believe we will watch that. I believe that might be one of the reasons why God will have to wipe away tears. As we may see a neighbor who says, why didn't you tell me? We might say, well, I went to your house once. Or maybe a coworker, Or a family member who does not know the Savior. There's only one determining factor. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. In 1997, the Chinese succeeded in putting out a fire that had burned for over 400 years. Think about that for a little while. The fire is in Baigang coal field. It had spontaneously ignited in the year 1560 and had burned nonstop since that time. It is thought that the fire had consumed 127 million tons of coal. But they finally got it extinguished. 400 years, my friends, is a long, long time. With 400 years, eternity will have just begun. I'd like to answer three questions tonight. Number one, why is there a hell? The Bible tells us hell was made to punish Satan and his angels. In Matthew 25, verse 41, eventually say also to them in the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't for us. For he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. To punish Satan. Secondly, to punish those who reject the Lord. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 8, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with a mighty shout, with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Taking vengeance on them that know not God. 
Hell is a place for sinful men. Our college for the last 10 years has had a ministry paid for by a very well-to-do Jewish businessman of trying to reach out to the Jewish community. It's been very difficult work. We've handed out millions of packets of information. I've had as many as 130 people go out for 12 weeks in the summer, knocking doors 40 hours a week in Jewish neighborhoods. We've had very few Jews get saved. A lot of Gentiles have, as these soul winners, go out for eight hours a day. I heard the story about a man who approached a woman in New York City. Brooklyn is just a huge, huge Jewish population there. He began to tell her of Christ and her need of salvation. He explained that she was a sinner and going to hell. She says, I don't believe in hell. Why not, said the Christian. The lady said, well, there's six million of my Jewish brothers and sisters were murdered at the hands of Adolf Hitler's Nazis. I can't believe they all went to hell. The man said something quite interesting. He said, well, ma'am, I suppose when you get to heaven and walk down the streets of gold, you'll see Adolf Hitler there. Will you tell him hello for me? Adolf Hitler. She said, he won't be in heaven. He'll be in hell. Yes, even this woman believed that hell was the right place to punish sinful men. Secondly tonight, and I'm going to give some detail on this, what is hell like? The details are not going to be from my imagination or words that I can try to eloquently share with you. I want to share for the word of God. Here's what the Lord Jesus Christ said about hell. He said, first of all, it is a place of darkness. In Matthew chapter 8, verse number 12, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Secondly, it's a place of separation. In Luke chapter 16, verse 26, the Bible says this, beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from heaven to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. A great gulf. Thirdly, it's a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew chapter 13, verse 42, and he shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 22, verse 13, Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Literally grinding of the teeth. I have heard weeping and gnashing of teeth a few times in my life. I was just a few feet away when a man in a large pickup truck backed up in his driveway and ran over a small toddler on a big wheel toy. And when that mother came out of that house, although I was only 13 or 14 at the time, I will never forget her screams, ever. But in hell, the weeping and gnashing of teeth will go on and on and on forever. The Bible says it is a place of torment. In Luke chapter 16, verse 22 through 24, it says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. Uh, the rich man also died and was buried. 
And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented with this flame. I have known some people who have been badly burned before. I talked to a friend today that was involved in an explosion of a gas oven where the skin from his legs literally melted. I've never had an experience like that. I did work at a restaurant for seven years, and I had grease splashed on me, but the, probably the worst burn I ever had probably only covered about one square inch of my body. Just the pad of this thumb. I worked in the line and oversaw the kitchen, and we would serve steaks on what are called hot plates. We kept up above the, above the broiler. We'd grab with tongs, seat them in the hard plastic, put the steak on it, pour some aj, you want to be bubbling as it went out to be served. But we also used those plates for putting a steak sandwich on. We'd have points of toast, some lettuce and tomatoes, some garnish there. And when I used that, one night I said, give me a cold hot plate. And I wasn't watching, and the young lady, Flo, misheard me. And she got a hot, hot plate out of the top of that broiler. Undoubtedly 400 degrees. I did not know it was hot, and when she handed that to me, instead of when it's hot, I'd always grab it in the bottom, I would seat it, and then put the meat on it and set it out. I thought it was cold. I grabbed it like this and pressed down. Just the little pad of my thumb. I dropped that plate very, very quickly. I ran around the counter. I plunged my hand into the ice bin. I couldn't believe how bad it hurt. The rest of that entire evening, I walked around with that thumb and a cup of ice water. By the time I went home that night, it was still burning. And I tried to sleep on my back, which I don't usually sleep that way, with my hand in a little silver bowl with ice and water in it. And it finally stopped hurting somewhere deep into the night. It peeled off several layers of skin. And that was just on the pad of my thumb. Could you imagine those burns over every inch of your body? Every nerve ending screaming out for relief. Forever. And ever. And ever, he said, I am tormented in this plane. The Bible goes on and says it's a place of unquenchable fire. A coal mine that burned for 400 years is an astounding thought. But in one passage in Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 46, it says the fire is unquenchable four times. Listen carefully. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maim than having two hands to go into hell. Into the fire that shall never be quenched. Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. I believe when God repeats something time after time, he wants us to know that the fire is not quenched. We know the Bible also says it's a place of everlasting fire. 
in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. Then shall he say also to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Everlasting. Everlasting. He goes on and says in Matthew 25, verse 46, just five verses later, it's a place of eternal punishment. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into life eternal. What an incredible dichotomy. What a comparison contrast. Life eternal or everlasting punishment. The Apostle John said it's a place of horrible company. Have you ever been around someone you didn't feel comfortable being around them? Maybe they spoke obscenely or foully or lived a life that was obviously contrary to the word of God. Hell will be full of those people. Uh, the Bible says in Revelation 21, verse 8, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Not a place I don't want to be. And Jesus described it using a word called Gehenna. It made it easy for those in Israel to understand because there was a place outside the gates of Jerusalem that was called Gehenna. You say, what was that? It was a place where fire never went out. In a way, it was their dump. But at that dump, that was a place where at one time children were sacrificed to Moloch. It's a place where the dead bodies of animals and criminals were thrown. It was the garbage dump for Jerusalem. To destroy this, the fires never stopped. Gehenna was a real place. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight I want to tell you that hell is a real place. No more time, just eternity. I'm sure that people early on in eternity will try their very best to escape crawling over bodies of others who they cannot see, try to scramble out of this pit, as the Bible calls it. But there's no escape. The Los Angeles Times told the story on February the 3rd of 1995 about a lady by the name of Carol Fuller. Carol Fuller was a socialite. She was extremely well-to-do. She lived in a bungalow, in Los Angeles, in West Hollywood. And one day an intruder came in to rob her. He put her in a closet and barricaded it where this 72-year-old woman could not get out. Finally, after over a month or a month and a half, someone came looking for her. We don't know if she died of starvation or dehydration. But we do know that she had scratched and clawed for her life. Fingernails literally torn off her hands. Splinters of wood as she tried to get out of her prison. But there was no escape. Her deceased body was found there in that closet. She was near a busy intersection. The streets were loud and it was much later 
before she was found. The desperate struggle was unsuccessful. And regardless of how hard people will struggle, there is no escape from hell. It is a permanent sentence. It will last forever. Fuller was not tied up or gagged, but she was never heard over the din of the traffic on Santa Monica and Crescent Height Boulevard. Sadly, Carol Fuller experienced in a small, small, small degree the horror that many will experience for the rest of eternity. Because try as they might and claw as they might, they will have nothing but darkness and death as their companion. But thirdly tonight, let me share with you, what should we do? Because there is a hell. First of all, make sure you're saved. If there's someone here tonight and you're a man or a young man, I would love to talk to you. There'll be no time restraints. I'll talk as long as you need me to talk to you. If you're a young lady or a lady here, my wife would love to talk to you because it's the singular most important decision you could ever make. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, for it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a free gift. It's already been paid for. All we have to do is receive it. So we need to make sure we're saved. But secondly, tonight, we need to make sure that we're sharing the gospel. The word gospel, as many of you know already, means the good news. The good news. I have been in many churches. I know over 850 churches. I've never been in a church that would take account of the tracks. And that challenged me the first time I was here years ago. It challenged me. I have a brother who's a pastor who will never let a day go by without handing out a gospel track. He says, sometimes I'll forget it's 11 o'clock at night. He'll get back in his car, go down to a gas station, give out a gospel track. We must be about our father's business. And I'm not trying to be simplistic, but people ask the question, WWJD, what would Jesus do? The Bible says the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He did four things predominantly in his life. To seek and to save. He came to give. He gave his life for answer for many. He came to forgive. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And a powerful statement. He went about doing good. What Noah said, I read a book literally two weeks ago, Noah, about a man who spent seven years in Somalia. And he fed a lot of people. Fed a lot of people. In a Muslim country, his 16-year-old son died there. That was a sad story. But what is left after seven years for the cause of Christ? Noah and Tristan want to see people get saved to impact their lives for eternity. We have to make sure we share the gospel. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, the Bible says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
I think I've been in 14 or 15 countries to preach. I'm not sure. It may be 12 or 13. I haven't counted recently. But there's at least 180 countries, if not more. I'll never go to all of them. But we can go through supporting others. In some ways, as you fill out your faith promise commitment, you're voting on the salvation of others. One of my heroes is Dr. Don Sisk. Pastor Lytell told me the same thing. He's one of the greatest Christians I've ever met. He's increased his faith promise commitment every year, get this now, for over 65 years. It's far bigger than his tithe. He truly wants to see people get saved. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. By the way, what a great promise there, the Great Commission. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. My friends, we need to get people to heed the warning. If you are a baby boomer, in your 40s or 50s, you might remember what happened back in 1980 with the largest, most deadly and destructive natural disaster in American history happened with the explosion of Mount St. Helens. Earthquakes and volcanic activity signaled that a major event was probably going to come. Authorities had plenty of time to send the alarm to warn those that were nearby of the looming danger that faced them. Yet despite the seriousness of the warning, many did not heed the warning. Probably the best known of these was a man by the name of Harry Randall Truman. He was 83. He was the owner and caretaker of the Mount St. Helens Lodge at Spirit Lake. He'd survived the sinking of his troop ship by the German submarine in World War II. He was not about to leave because some scientists thought there was a danger. Truman says, I don't have any idea whether it will blow, but I don't believe it to the point where I'm going to pack up. On May the 18th, 1980, the top third of Mount St. Helens blew off. And Harry Randall Truman and his lodge were buried under 150 feet of mud. But at least the ranger who went there knew that he had warned him and tried to get him to leave. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we are not responsible for results, only for obedience. Wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that find it. But I wonder, are we trying to get the warning to them? Truman did not believe that death would come. But sadly, some people believe and say, well, I will trust in Christ later. John had a Christian doctor and speaking in probably great perplexity, he said, I may not live for another week. And the doctor said, well, you may not, John, but very likely you will, but you need to begin taking this medicine. John said, well, if I don't take it right now, the doctor said, well, you could keep it in your house and it will keep. If you find yourself getting worse, you might want to take the medication. 
I won't charge anything for it. Take it with you. He said, if you feel worse, you might even take it right then. John said, sir, I may be dead tomorrow. The doctor said, well, then when do you propose to begin taking the medicine, John? And John said, well, sir, I propose that I begin taking it today. The doctor said very kindly, by all means, you should begin taking it today. I'm glad that you see how foolish it is to put off taking this medicine. And then the physician, reflecting back on past conversations, said, aren't you being even more foolish? Would you put off taking the medication that the great physician has for your soul? I plead with you, John, don't put it off. I do not know where you are at tonight, but I want to give you three thoughts in closing. If we believe in hell, if the Bible's true, there's a hell, then we should support those who are seeking to keep people from going there. I fully believe that. Secondly, if you know the Lord, we ought to be about the master's business. Telling people the good news of the gospel. The greatest news they could ever, ever, ever hear. And thirdly tonight, if perchance you are not positive you're on your way to heaven. The Bible says this, it says, today is the day of salvation. Can I challenge you, friend? Take care of it today. Don't put it off till it's eternally too late. Someone in your church told me last night about an uncle who somewhat miraculously survived World War II, was captured by the Japanese, went through the Bataan Death March, which was an amazingly horrific situation. The ghost soldiers tell us about the incredible amount of lives that were lost on that. He went on another march that was forced. He was imprisoned. He lived to be 92. But the dear lady in your church says, but he would never listen to me about Jesus. It's too late now. Because when the last breath on this earth is taken, the only two choices are heaven or hell. I hope tonight, maybe as you pillow your head, you think, Lord, I do believe in the fact of hell. It's not easy to preach on. I look forward to tomorrow night preaching about heaven. But I believe God put it on my heart. I had never written an entire message just on hell. Oh, I padded messages. It's sobering. I spent a lot of time today reading over it and thinking about it. Can I say, my friends, tonight? Now that we maybe know a little bit more about it, the question I would pose is, 
what will we do about it? Let's pray tonight. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will help us to live with eternity in view. And to realize for those who do not know about the Lord Jesus Christ and have never accepted him, there is only one possible destination, and that is hell. I thank you for Pastor Lytell leading this soul-winning church that's conscious about giving out tracts and reaching to the, many times, the fatherless through the bus ministry. Lord, I pray you'll help each of us here. Yes, the professionals. Yes, the retired. To do what we can do. To support more, to get more missionaries on the field. And to pray for those who are on the field. I pray you'll speak to hearts. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.